This is how we started the church, so I figured I'd bring these back out. Um, we were in a, a series called Get Real, and uh, we had the, the glasses on, and we were like, hey, down with the mask of church, right? Down with like putting on all the things that you have to put on to be good enough, and uh, let's be real. Let's be real with each other. When we're struggling, let's say we're struggling. We're having the great, greatest day ever. Let's, let's rejoice with those that rejoice and let's weep with those that weep, right? But let's be real. And that was what our church was built on. And look at how many real people are in the room now, right? And we want to encounter amazing God and we want to experience, even today, lasting change, right? So these are the glasses we started with. Um, these are the glasses we're going to continue with, all right? Here we go. 3D. Whoa, you guys look different. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Psychedelic. Um, so we're going to be giving these out, I think, next week, if I'm right. And uh, you're going to want to be here for uh, our series, uh, 3D Jesus starts uh, today, and then next week and the week after Easter. And so we hope that you'll come back. Um, but we're in the book of John. You guys know that. And uh, 3D Jesus, a different perspective. I think people have a perspective. Do you think you have a perspective? Is that fair? You have a perspective of me. Can you see my face? Can you see this side? No, okay. Like, there's different perspectives, and that's okay. Today, I want to um, debunk a perspective that I think has been in the church a long time, and it needs to die. It absolutely needs to die. We need to never let it live again. We need to continue to crucify it in our own lives, in our own flesh, a time and time and time again. And we need to turn to the perspective of Jesus Christ. He has the best perspective. He's been to heaven and is there again now. We need to have his perspective, and I pray that we'll gain that perspective today. So the title of the message today is Deciphering Jesus. Deciphering. Do you know what decipher means? Anybody? Decipher. Decipher is to make out the meaning of, to discover the meaning of, to interpret by use of a key. What is the key that we're going to use to interpret what Jesus is saying today? This right here. All right, so get your Bible, open it up to chapter 3 of John. Uh, the Bible, if you split it in half, it's Old New Testament, old to the left, new to the right. Start going to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're almost there, John 3. Just count to three, they're big letters, big numbers, and you'll get there. John chapter 3. I'm going to read the passage all the way through, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to preach without notes. How about that? Is anybody nervous yet? <laughs> I have notes in the back of my Bible, that's where I got the definition, but I'm going to try unless the Spirit leads me to look at my notes, I'm going to try to preach without looking because this is what the passage is about. The wind blows where it wishes. The Holy Spirit gets to say what he wants to say today. And I'm the only thing in the way of that. So I need prayer. So I'm going to read the whole passage. We're going to pray that I get out of the way. And we're going to hear from the word of the Lord like we've maybe never heard from him before. All right? 
I'm just going to read one verse from chapter 2. It's verse 23. It'll give you a perspective of uh, context for who Nicodemus, Nicodemus is. Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he had done. Nicodemus was one of those that believed in the signs of Jesus. But you're going to see clearly in our passage today that Nicodemus did not believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, God himself for eternal life. All right? So he believed Jesus was doing some awesome things, but he didn't believe Jesus was God and that he could save him from his sin. All right, keep reading. Chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the perspective. We want to see things from a kingdom mindset. We want to see things from Jesus Christ's perspective. And you can't do that unless you're born again. All right. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Good question. Fair. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, Everybody's going to say? No. Thank you. And women are appreciative. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Ding. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Ding. Two different births. One is flesh. One is spirit. Okay. Do not marvel. Don't be amazed at what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, born again, second birth. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I'm about ready to. (laughs) No one has ascended into heaven except for he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Pointing to who? Jesus, right? It's pointing to himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, write Numbers 21 in your Bible. That will really help you. Because you're like, what is going on? Right? Numbers 21, it's verses 4 through 9. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, Jesus himself, be lifted up. That, whatever, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And we just can't stop there, can we? Like John 3.16, come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we have read your word written by your Holy Spirit through the hand of John, your apostle, the one you loved. Father, we pray that you would seal it on our hearts, that through Jesus Christ and what he's saying, that you will open our eyes. God, we confess that we're all blind and have been blind because you're the only one that can truly see. And so we come to you ready to hear, not knowing what you'll say, and truly believing that we need to hear it, that we don't have it all figured out, that we are in some way entering this room blind to what your perspective is. We pray that you will open our eyes. That's a work of your spirit, that you will take the veil away from us and that you will show us clearly what it is you want us to teach, what you want to teach us today, and that we will receive it by faith. Thank you for your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Deciphering Jesus. How many of you guys have heard of uh, Benjamin Franklin? All right, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin started to get really popular and people started to write him letters. And this is one letter that was written to him by George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a, um, a British preacher. And he wrote this quote to Benjamin Franklin. Right? It's on the screen. I find that you grow more and more famous in the learned world as you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity. I now humbly urge you to give different heed <laughs> to the mystery of the new birth. That's what we're talking about today, being born again. It is most important and interesting study and when mastered will richly repay you for your pains. Pains, birth comes with pain, right? There might be even pain today of like, why did everybody tell me something different? That's painful, I feel lied to. There might be the pain of like your own pride. But I know better than what you're saying right now and what God's word is saying. There might be the pain of humiliation, of actually admitting that you've been wrong for so long and that God's been right forever. There's so many different kinds of pain, but it comes with pain. Birth comes with pain. Can I get an amen? That is true. That is true. 
Mostly women said that. Guys were like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to work our way back through the passage. And Jesus gives us several examples. He gives Nicodemus, somebody who is seeking, several examples. Now there was a man of the Pharisees. It's interesting that he says Pharisee first. Pharisee probably isn't the best or most title of Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. That means he was part of the Sanhedrin, the elite group. Basically, he was on staff at the church. He was a member of the board, so to speak. He was a ruling elder in the church. Seventy men, he was one of them. The 70 top men of Israel, he's one of them. He was the teacher, it said that later, the teacher of Israel. Maybe the one, right? Because the way the Greek says it, it's a pointed word, the. Not to be misinterpreted, the teacher. I'm sure there were other teachers, but he was the guy who was teaching even maybe the teachers. So it's interesting that he says Pharisee first when those other things would be better accolades. And I think John tells us this for one reason. He's a Pharisee, and he's going to go after being a Pharisee. Jesus is going to go after Pharisaical, legalistic thinking in this passage. He's going to say, that's not what I said. That's not what I'm doing. That's not who we are. Yet as churches... We kind of make a list of do's and don'ts. We kind of make a list of rules and we kind of say, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. And if I don't do this or that, I'm not good enough. That is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were adding to the word of God. They were adding to the law, Old Testament law, and they were adding to it so they couldn't even get close to messing up the law. And, it, and it's wicked. And we don't want to do that as a church, right? We don't want to do that as a people, and we need to search our lives even today. Where am I trying to be good enough? And we need to stop trying to be good enough because we're only filled with grace by Jesus Christ. Right? Right. Pharisee, named Nicodemus, the ruler of, uh, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. So many make so much about by night. Ugh. It's like, he's just giving us the history. It was nighttime. Maybe he came because he was scared. Maybe he came because he wanted a longer conversation and there wasn't any crowds at night. Maybe, I don't, maybe he had to work all day. I don't know. It just says by night. It doesn't tell us why, so let's not read into it. it he came by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. So teacher, we know, probably speaking for all of the the rulers of the Jews, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Like what you're doing is astounding. I don't have a category for it, but I'm supposed to because I'm a Pharisee and I'm on the Sanhedrin and I'm the teacher. I'm supposed to tell people what to think of you. And we have to think this. We have to think you're from God. That means he's a prophet. You got to be the prophet. He's, he's, he's from God. 
and, and with God, sent with God's favor. God's hand is all over you. Why is that? He's really wondering. He's asking questions. Here's the point. He came. Write that down on your paper. I know there's no notes. He came. We don't hear about all the guys, the many who believed, who didn't come. We hear about this guy as an example, and he came. You're here. Well done. Let's keep coming back to the scriptures day in and day out. Come to Jesus day in and day out. See what Jesus has to say. He came to Jesus. This is the source of Christ, Jesus. This is where you're going to read all about our Lord and Savior. This is it. He came to Jesus. Well done, Nicodemus. He was sincere in his thoughts and beliefs, as are we all. We're all here like, this is what I believe. I'm sincere in it. I wouldn't be at church. I wouldn't have got up and came over to John Marshall if I didn't believe. So I'm here. And the Bible says many believed. But there was obviously something that he didn't believe. He was seeking, he was searching, and Jesus had an answer for him. Church, are you ready for the answer? I mean, I'm, I'm not lying to you when I say this is not probably the answer you want to hear. It's elementary. It's easy. But in our minds, we make it so complicated. And Nicodemus is like, what does that mean? Oh, it's blowing all my circuits. And so just, could you just open your hands? Just open your hands and just receive what he says. When he says truly, truly, and he says it three times in this passage, he's going to say it numerous times, 25 to 27 to be exact, in the book of John. It's the only place it's said. None of the other gospels record it. It means this is the fact. This is what it really is all about. I assure you, solemnly, with all the gusto, with all the truth I have, I assure you this is the truth. That's what he's saying. Truly, truly, here's what it says. I say to you, hands open wide, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, who wants to go see the kingdom of God? Who wants to be in heaven with Jesus? I do. Well, that's easy. Okay, we got that. We got the, you can't be in heaven without this. Okay, I want that. I mean, a lot of us even, we maybe said a prayer when we were five, like I did, and we were like, heaven or hell? Jesus, your parents, or burn in hell forever? Not a tough choice at five. Pretty, I mean, Maybe at 25, when you're in the middle of your like rebellion against God, you're like, man, let me think about it, right? Burning in hell, but if I get to sow my wild oats now, maybe, maybe hell's not real. You know, like you got to write it off. But at five, you can't write that off. You're like, oh, heaven. That was my first experience with accepting or believing Christ. I just want to go to heaven. But... Don't miss this. Unless one is 
born again. What does it mean to be born again? That's the key issue. Born again. Well, it's an easy example. You've been born. You probably don't remember that birth. Pretty sure. But if you've had kids, you've got to witness it. Sorry, ladies. And men, if you've witnessed it, you're like, there's a God. I mean, I just remember every five, one of my five kids, I was just like, that is a miracle. The wind just blew. <laughs> there's a God. That is astounding what just happened right there. Every one of them. He gives us such a clear thing that we kind of understand physically. We kind of understand it. But he's talking in spiritual realms. He's saying you must be born again. First birth, born of the flesh, flesh. Second birth, born of the spirit, is spirit. So he even tells us what that born again is. It's born of the spirit. It's a spiritual rebirth. It's born again. Literally, it means born from above. Born again, born from above. Who does the birthing? Born from above. It's, it's God's work. It's nothing we can do. It's what he does. So Nicodemus, as you may be confused right now, even though it's so simple, is like, um, I don't get it. How can a man be born when he is old? I, uh, uh, uh. How do you do that exactly? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a miracle. Now, do we think the teacher of Israel was so naive as to think that was humanly possible? Does anybody think that's true? No. So what is he really saying? So this is what I think he's saying. I, it's not clear in the text, but I'm just going to give you my best run at it, what the Holy Spirit's given me. Um, I'm old. I've been taught all these religious Jewish ways. I've gone to church all my life. I actually teach people what I've been taught. And you're saying to me, I need to change? I need to be different somehow? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Nobody wants to be called an old dog. But I've been going to church a long time. It's hard to teach this old dog new tricks. But isn't that what the word's all about? Going to the word and learning new stuff every day? That's what it's all about. So I think Nicodemus isn't like, hey, you know, is this physically possible? I think he's like, how hard is this? How do I leave everything behind that I've ever been taught? Every pastor, every priest, every everybody. Sunday school teacher taught me this. And now you want me to walk away from all of that? When I'm old? I can't do that. How can this be? That's what I believe it's saying. Jesus answered him. Truly, truly, I say to you. He's going to make it very clear. He's going to bring clarity. Everybody like clarity? I love clarity. Born again, he's going to expound on it. Truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus is on the one-way train to born again. Laser focus on born again, born again, born again, born again. Here it comes. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, 
everyone, each one, is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born of water and the Spirit. So now he's made this rebirth a two-step process. What? Is it two steps or do they happen simultaneously? I'm not sure. What does water mean? A lot of people want to say that's a water canal birth. My water burst. Go back to their time. Don't think in your time. If he says the word water, what is he thinking about? Can anybody guess? There's a guy that's really weird, dressed in sackcloth, eating crazy stuff, and saying to the whole nation of Israel, including the Pharisees and the leaders and the teacher, repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. So when he says the word water, there's a visual coming up in that mind, and it's, oh my goodness, you want me to be baptized? Are you serious? That's not for us. We're Jews. That's for Gentiles. That's for Samaritans. We're the chosen ones. I'm better than that. Did you come to church thinking that today? Man, I hope the people in the neighborhood come. Man, I hope the person I invited is here today. Man, I so easily can come like that. Even from here. Come and be like, I'm better than that. I'm no better than that. I hate to be the bearer of good news, but, but you're no better than that. That's good news, actually. That's good news. Hear it as it is. Good news. We're all sinners, and we need the grace. We can't be good enough. He says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, it brings up a lot of theological conundrums, and I don't want to get into all that. Acts 2, 38. Let's just go there. It's on the screen. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now just overlay that verse, the first message ever preached in any church. Before there was a church, this is the message that was preached, and 3,000 people came to know Christ from this message. Overlay that with the message we're speaking, right? Repent and be baptized. That's what the water means, right? The water is repentance, right? So don't leave here as saying, Pastor Steve said you had to be baptized to be saved. Here's the example I'll give you. The thief on the cross. Was he saved? Yes. Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise today. Was he baptized? No. Was there any water involved? He was sweating bullets and blood. What's the water symbolize? What did happen to the thief on the cross? What did he do? He repented. Guys, the first step, or if they're combined, whatever, repent, right? The way we show that visually is water. 
That's why he said water. The way we show it visually is water. We repent. We die to ourselves. We live in Christ. That's a visual picture. That's why immersion is so important to us. You may have came from another church where immersion isn't a thing. We believe it is because there's a visual here of dying to self. In order to be rebirthed, what do you have to do? Die. We die to be reborn, right? And so that's a picture of what's happening inside of you. So the water is repent. And the second half is be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you admit to God, I'm wrong, you're right, what does he do? I'll fill you up. I'll fill you right up. Fine, I'm glad we got that out of the way because I couldn't inhabit that temple when all that crap was in there. I needed that out of there so I could come be one with you. And here I am now. That's what's happening. That is the rebirth. That's as easy and as simple as I can explain it. Do not marvel what I said. You must be born again. Now, I think I skipped a verse, so let me get back and get it. Water in the Spirit, unless you're born of water in the Spirit, I explained that, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Does everybody understand that? We're all here. We were born of the flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you understand that? Repent, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a God work. You ask God to do that in your life. You can't try hard enough. You can't do enough good works. You can't pay the church enough money. You can't go work in children's ministry. Thank you to all those that are working in children's ministry right now so that we can all be in here. We'll take our turn another week. You can't be good enough. And he doesn't want you to try. He wants you to feel the grace, repent and feel the grace that he has towards us. Then he says, do not marvel, I picked it up, what I said to you. So everybody make the marvel face. Huh? It's kind of fun. Donald, give me one, come on. I don't, I mean, what are you, what are you, what are we even talking about right now? I'm the ruler of Israel. You wanted me to go get baptized by John? You want some Holy Spirit connection? I'm just like weirded out. This is crazy, right? You must be born again. He said it again. Then, he, then he's like, I'm off of this illustration because I'm just like, make, I'm exasperating you. You know when you look confused and somebody keeps talking about it? And you're like, would you stop please now? Okay, he's like, next illustration. So, you know, whether they're on the rooftop or not, you got to believe there's some wind, some, you know, like you got to believe there's something happening here physical that, that Nicodemus can grab hold of. So the wind blows, right? And so he goes, the wind, same word for spirit at the end of verse six. I know that's confusing. Born of the spirit is spirit, wind. Born of the spirit is wind. So he's making the transition even as we go. Do not marvel. God is God. He's amazing. And then he says, the spirit, so the wind it's the same word, pneuma. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, was there a windy storm this week? Okay, yeah. My kids all said they woke up. I sleep really well, so I didn't, um, which is amazing. But 
I mean, it sounded like the siding was going to fall off, right? At least that's what they told me. It's like, God, it was so loud. And there was rain, thunder, lightning, snow. Uh. Like, did you know where that wind came from? Weatherman says out of the northeast. I don't know. Do you know, do you know where it went? No. We don't know. But it was a powerful wind. It made its presence felt. Even invisible, you could see it and the effects of it if you were outside. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I'm different than I was before. I'm not the same. I'm not perfect, never claimed to be. But by God's grace, not by my working, trying harder, God has saved me from myself and now there's a power within me that if I just like relax and let it out, it's awesome. It's powerful. Invisible. You still get to see me. Sorry. But the effects of it are amazing. I mean, people have been saved in our church. I'm like, how'd that happen? The wind. Let me give you an illustration of this. Rough week. It's always a rough week when you're going to do something awesome from God. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? It's always a rough week when you're going to take ground for Jesus Christ. One of the hardest weeks of my life, right? And I'm sitting in my study at home because I was trying to block everything out. And I'm like, in the word and my phone rings. On my phone is a guy's name, Dennis Massaro. I sit there for a good five seconds. I'm praying, God, should I answer it or not? I've made a commitment to study. I don't want to be distracted. But if this is your wind, if this is what you're blowing on me right now, I need to hear this. I don't know if he's calling for good, bad, ugly. I have no idea. Haven't talked to Dennis in two years. Dennis, I pick it up. I was like, I should let it go to voicemail. I just keep studying. I was really discouraged. I was really discouraged. Just, just honest pastor stuff? Okay, I was really discouraged. And, and I pick it up. Dennis, with his chipper voice, he's like, this is the Momentum Center from Sarasota, Florida. And I've called... You know, and he just goes into this whole diatribe of how we're moving to JM and he's so excited about it. And obviously he's been on our website and he's said, I've listened to your message from last week. It was so awesome. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And he's been a pastor. And so he understands hard pastor stuff. And so he's like, you're doing a good job. You just need to get back up there. You just need to say what you need to say. Do it for the Lord, Steve. And he just encouraged and encouraged and encouraged me. I got off that phone. I was weeping on the phone. I was bawling off the phone. And I got off the phone and I was like, and the wind blows. That's it. That note you wrote to somebody this week, that was the wind blowing. That prayer that you said when the Holy Spirit prompted you to call so-and-so, I mean, well, how did Dennis know to call me? That's the Holy Spirit. Call Steve right now. And he did. Pick up the phone, doofus, right now. Added for effect. I'm just telling you, the wind is blowing. God's using you to blow the wind. 
Do you see it? Do you feel it? I want to hear it, see it, experience it more here at JAM than we ever experienced it at Kellogg. But it doesn't matter what I want. What does the Holy Spirit want? He's the wind. God, do what you want to do. We're here. We're going to do all we can do to bring people to Christ. We're going to tell them about this rebirth, this new birth, and then you have to do it because we can't do it for them. It's not a try harder situation. It's a trust God. It's a grace. It's a faith situation. All right. Keep moving. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? I mean, now he's just like, ah. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Really, that means you've read the Old Testament, bro. You probably have memorized a lot of it, if not most of it. You know every story that talks about me. It all sheds light on me. You understand. You should understand. Why are you so thick right now? Why can't you see it from a different perspective? From Jesus' perspective. He says, truly, truly, I'm going to tell you the truth one last time, bro. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, when he goes plural like that, you just go, what in the world? Is this like multiple personalities? I mean, we do know Jesus is three in one, right? So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when he says we, is he talking about the Trinity? Is he talking about the disciples that maybe you're sitting with him? Is he talking about John the Baptist? Yes. Yes. And yes. He's talking about we. We that are spirit-filled, born from above, we have seen it. We are trying to tell you it. We are lovingly bringing it as a testimony to you. And what does it say? And you will not receive it. You're here today. You're hearing something, maybe for the first time, maybe again. Are you willing to receive it? Receive what, Steve? This is it. That everybody told you being good enough was good enough is a liar. Because anybody that says something other than Jesus Christ whether well-meaning or not, is speaking falsely. Jesus says it's not about being a Pharisee. It's not about being a ruler of the Jews. It's not about being the teacher. It's not about all the things you want to make it about, church. It's about repenting, accepting the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. That's it. It's a gift of grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We understand that? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Would you like to see it? We'll get it on the screen for you. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man, anyone would boast. It's not us. Why do we act like it's us? 
Why do we work hard like it's us? Why do we strain and we're confused? It's not about being good enough. It's about grace. Get the different perspective. He says, if I have told you earthly things, what are the earthly things? Birth, wind, even words. If I've told you these things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? But I'll try. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Does that sound like heavenly things to you? Yeah, pretty much. He's like, I went to heaven, I saw heaven, I came from heaven, that's heaven. Like, I'm telling you a heavenly perspective. Do you understand now? Yeah, because if you won't understand earthly things, how in the world are you going to understand heavenly things? And then he goes on to say, here's another heavenly thing. God did this with scripture. He put this in Numbers 21, and now he put this in John 3. That's the Holy Spirit writing from different writers the same thing. And he says, here it is, as Moses, the guy you worship, the law, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. There were serpents because of our disobedience and sin, because of the disobedience and sin of the children of Israel. There were serpents, fiery serpents, that were biting people. And the people, when they get bit, they died. Poisonous snakes. You, everybody familiar? Run! You know? Ah, okay. And Moses, and the people were like, we've sinned. And Moses cried out to God and said, God, deliver us from this plague. We are sorry we've sinned. We're sorry we've been disobedient. Please save us. And what God did was say to Moses, get a pole. Wrap a bronze snake around it and put it in the camp. And if anybody gets bit by a snake, all they need to do is look at the pole with the snake on it, and they will be healed. Do you think the first person looked at the pole? Or do you think they're like hogwash? When did the first person actually look at the pole and go, oh, I'm healed? And how did they testify after that? How do you think the percentage of people looking at the pole versus not looking at the pole kind of went up maybe dramatically? Yeah, I got bit by a snake, but, I, you know, I, I'm not dead. The venom's not in me. Oh! And he would go tell people, if you get bit by a snake, just look at the pole. Do you get it, church? I have sin. Oh! I'm dead. But I look at the cross. And Jesus was hanging on and he bled for me and he died. And he rose again. It's repentance of sin and embrace of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is and always will be salvation. That is what saves you. That's what keeps you alive for eternity. We'll get after verse 16 next week. It talks so clearly of God's love for us and how he gave 
not only the serpent in the wilderness and Jesus Christ on the cross, right? But he's given us grace that we can breathe, that we can meet here, that he's given us grace. And whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be here today. There's so many that are hearing this, maybe for the first time, maybe they've heard it before, I don't know. Maybe they've said they believe it, but they're not acting like it. Maybe they're still trying to do good works to get better and good enough. God, we want to be a people who have embraced this new life, this freedom we have in Jesus Christ, that it's not our own doing, that it's not who we are or what we bring to the table, but that it's all what Jesus Christ did, who he is, and what he brought to earth, which is grace and love and peace by dying on a cross for me. Thank you for opening my eyes this week, God. I'm not gonna try harder. I know I'm not gonna be good enough, so I'm not gonna try to be good enough. I'm gonna rest in your Holy Spirit and accept that repentance is an everyday thing. And we're gonna tell everybody we know that there's a cure for the disease that's ailing them. In the name of Jesus, fill this auditorium with people who have a sin issue, a snake bite. Get them to the pole so they can see Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Please do that this week, God. Please give us that grace. In Jesus' name I pray.